It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme and John Paul is back with us after his few days off looking very tanned and relaxed and he walked into work this morning and we all thought that he'd been away on a foreign holiday. He looks so bronze but he's the type of guy he just has to look at the sun and uh, he goes brown but just showing what fantastic weather we have been having. It's uh, been really terrific. Very dull and overcast uh, today with rain on the way but I suppose Irish water will be delighted with the bit of rain and certainly the gardens will be delighted with the bit of rain as well but the good news is that it's going to brighten up uh, this afternoon and we cannot complain about the weather because I think we've had such wonderful wonderful weather of late so John Paul taking your calls this morning along with Sadie at 1850 333103 if there's anything you want to share with us throughout the morning as always we love to hear from you you can text your WhatsApp to 0862 103103 and already a text in from a listener to say that the family carers grant the respite grant has been paid today so that's certainly some bit of relief for family carers but this texter says they promised family carers an extra €1,000 not given to carers totally forgotten about I I have no knowledge of what that extra €1,000 is about if that listener wants to give me uh, more details I have no recollection of a promise of extra money but the respite grant is at 1,700 and that is being paid uh, today. And staying on payments, the pandemic unemployment payment for part-time workers uh, is looking like it is going to be cut by the government and obviously this is the way for the government to reduce what is a massive welfare bill at the moment caused by coronavirus. At the moment the COVID-19 payment is €350 per week it's looking like that's going to be cut to 203 and 203 would be in line with the job seekers allowance which is paid to people who are unemployed and had been unemployed prior to the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. The payment for full-time workers will be phased out over time under plans being brought to Cabinet by the Minister for Social Protection, Regina Doherty. Now the pandemic payment of 350 was due to expire on Monday but as we know the government have already signalled that that is going to be uh, extended and certainly we've had some very worried calls in from people who are surviving on that 350 euro and were worried that it was going to be gone next Monday but it is certainly going to be extended uh, past next uh, Monday but it's understood it will soon be the government will soon begin the process of unwinding the payments which is at the moment cost about €200 million a week. 
part-time workers will be first in line to see the payments uh, reduced and when they reduce it they'll be reduced by about 40%. This will be followed by then the phasing out of the payment for full-time employees and of course it'll be phased out because more and more people will return to work in the coming months. I would love to say that everyone who was temporarily laid off because of COVID-19 will return to work but we know the sad reality all of the jobs are not going to be there but hopefully the majority of people will go back to work and they'll sign off so they will they will know they will we, we will come to a stage where we won't need that pandemic uh, payment now the government is as I say, they're talking about reducing it for part-time workers and then eventually phasing it out. They're already accepting that they're going to face a backlash from opposition uh, TDs. I think any attempt to reduce the payment, is the, it will be met by uh, criticism. One senior government source is quoted in the papers today saying there will be war about this, but the government are saying it has to be done. They have There's already been clashes in the door between the government and the opposition over the extension of the payment. And then I think Sinn Féin were probably one of the first out. They were saying and they felt that the €350 Euro per week payment should be left in place until the end of uh, the year. Now, there are currently 543,200 people, so over half a million people are claiming the €350 Euro payment a week. A Department of Business report showed that about 200,000 people, so about 40% of those that are getting the 350000 are earning more on the pandemic payment than they did when they were working. And that's to do with the fact that many, many of the, that the 200,000 people, the majority of them were only working uh, part-time. The Central Statistics Office yesterday, they showed the unemployment figure. It was slightly down on last month. And of course, that's to do, due in large to the people that went back to work thanks to uh, phase one. Our unemployment figure, though, is still shockingly high at just over 26 but it has dropped from last month and um, and this time next month when we'll be talking about the CSO's figures it will have dropped further with more people that will be going back to work thanks to the opening up of phase two from uh, next uh, Monday and that 26.1% an unemployment figure is a record number of people unemployed uh, in this country the Finance Minister Pascal Donoghue said the government was reviewing new figures on the number of people who were on the scheme who are now returning to work and that obviously then will inform their decision on the payment because obviously as more people go back to work it will be costing the government uh, less. So maybe with less people on it they may be able to extend it and they may be able to leave it there for a little bit longer as people wait to go back into work. Uh, Pascal who said he intends to signal to our economy how long the payment will last and what changes will be made over the coming months. He said the payment will be continued, but he said they have identified some issues. And obviously one of the big issues, I think, was the fact that the 200,000 people who are receiving more on the payment than they were when they were working. And, you know, I think everybody has accepted the €350. It can't go on forever. The country simply can't afford for it to go on forever. The wage subsidy scheme, by the way, Pascal Donoghue was also talking about that yesterday. He said that won't 
that will not be disappearing over time. There are 57,800 employers have registered for that temporary wage subsidy scheme. There's over half a million workers have received the subsidy and that's the scheme whereby the government subsidise an employer's wage so the worker still remains at work but up to 85% of their wages is actually paid by the government. Pascal Donoghue said any decision on the scheme will be focused on unwinding the payment over time but while also ensuring the jobs can be secure. He says the scheme cannot be sustained forever either uh, but he said the payment is having a very valuable impact at present and while it's having that valuable impact he says it's going to remain in place. So I think that will be a little bit of good news for employers because when we when any talk of getting rid of the pandemic payment employers I think would really start to worry who've been relying on that wage subsidy in order to keep jobs uh, going. So that's some good news, certainly for employers. And let's stay on the good news. This is a story our own Barry is running with uh, right throughout this morning on the news bulletins. And it was the latest data provided by the Health Protection Surveillance Centre. And it has showed no increases in COVID-19 cases in Cork over a 24-hour period. As of midnight on Sunday, Cork had the second highest number of cases in the country. We have 1,517 people have tested positive across Cork City and County, which is 6% of all of the cases nationwide. But the latest data as of midnight on Monday, it shows the figure has remained the same. So I think that's the first time that we've had a 24-hour period where nobody tested positive for COVID-19 here in Cork and we very, very much welcome uh, that. The department announced yesterday 47 new confirmed uh, cases and uh, sadly addition of three people uh, three people uh, lost their uh, life and Dr Rona Glim also said that the recovery rate for COVID-19 is very high in this country. The recovery rate now is at 91%. That's positive news and it confirms the expectation that most people who get COVID-19 will recover. However, it uh, remains the case that it is a very unpredictable uh, virus. And actually the Irish Independent today uh, are showing a map of Ireland which is showing the number of cases in all of the individual counties across the country. But it is showing the change in the number of cases on a one-week period last week, and it's from the 21st of May to the 28th of uh, May. And it goes county by county. Now, there's some really good news in this for some counties, because some counties in that one-week period had no new cases of COVID-19. Our neighbours Kerry, for example, are one of them, along with uh, Tipperary, Wexford, Longford, Leitrim, Sligo and Donegal. Those counties, none of them had a new case during that one week period. Now in that one week period, Dublin had 201 new cases. Kilkenny were the next highest. They had 58 new cases. And then we here in Cork were the next on 52 cases. But if, you, if you're looking at that date, that would probably coincide. The 50 new cases during that week here in Cork would possibly coincide with the cases that were coming out from the uh, meat plants uh, at that time. But it does, it, but it shows also the number of combined cases right across the country. Obviously, we've always known that Dublin has had the highest number of cases. They have over... 
12,000 cases of COVID-19 out of what? Almost 25,000 cases nationwide. So over half of them are in Dublin at uh, 12,000. And then we here in Cork are next on that list. We have up to that date on the 28th of May 1,472 cases across the city and county and then Kildare was next 1,416 and if you look down through it the lowest number of cases is in Waterford they in total Sligo even lower Sligo have 129 cases in total Waterford 152 Carlow 158 and that's total cases for COVID-19 and that's why there has been a discussion and an argument about making the country, breaking the country down regionally so that you could lift restrictions. I mean if you're looking at some place for example like Kerry in total for the county of Kerry they've had 308 COVID-19 positive uh, cases so there would be a case for cases like Kerry and even go up that whole western seaboard Clare, Galway, Mayo, uh, Sligo, Donegal. They've had low numbers of cases of COVID-19. So people are saying, why can't we have restrictions lifted faster than, say, when you go over to the east and you look at uh, Dublin, you look at Wicklow, uh, uh, Kildare, where they have very high numbers of cases and say, well, why don't you keep the restrictions there? But I heard Professor Sam McConkie saying yesterday, while yes, he was an advocate for doing it regionally and letting people, you know, in Kerry go beyond the five kilometres because they have a less chance of picking up uh, COVID-19 and maybe opening up businesses quicker there. But the danger was if you opened up the whole country, what would happen if you had an influx of people, say, from Dublin where there's a lot of COVID-19? What if they started travelling around the country? I suppose it would be harder for our police force to police if they were doing it regionally, if they were saying some people in some counties could lift restrictions while other counties wouldn't it would be I could foresee it being very very hard to uh, police so I don't know if they're going to go down that route of looking at the country regionally but it does make in the Irish Independent today it is just is interesting to look at the map and see the parts of the country that haven't been as affected by COVID-19 as opposed to other areas which have been really, really badly affected. Now, children are expected to be allowed to get some screen-free fun in the sun with some summer camps being allowed to go ahead and playgrounds are expected to reopen from next uh, week. The Chief Medical Officer, Dr Tony Hulham. Now, he wouldn't be drawn yesterday on the specific recommendations that are about, that they're going to make today. But he said his expert team will be looking at a range of measures to try to ease the burden of lockdown restrictions on young children. And also, of course, by reducing it on their children, they're reducing the restrictions on the parents as well. So the GAA cool camps, which are hugely, hugely uh, popular all over the country, they're expected to be able to take place this summer. But all the activities are going to have to be carried out in very strict safeguards. I think it will be a very different cool camp to what it was, say, last year or previous years. Dr Hulan says the government is going to consider and accept the what they're recom- recommending uh, before they become part of the easing of any restrictions. Yeah, he also confirmed that uh, Neffet are looking at the resumption of some form of visiting at nursing homes. And I think that's going to be welcomed by so many people because loneliness and families not being able to see loved ones in nursing homes is having a huge, huge effect on the families, 
but it's also having a detrimental effect on the people in the nursing homes. You know, much loved parents who would be getting visits, you know, a couple of times a week are really missing seeing their family. So so it'll be, I think that's one that a lot of people will cheer about if that gets announced tomorrow, that people will be allowed to go and visit a loved one in a nursing home. Now, obviously, there'll be very strict uh, criteria in place for it and there'll be rules and regulations and the two metres. You know, I don't think we'll be able to rush in and start hugging granny or anything like that, but just to be able to sit in a room or sit in a garden on a sunny afternoon with them, I think will be absolutely uh, wonderful. And just by the way, to let you know um, what's, what is expected to happen on phase two, which will get announced tomorrow and then it'll come into play from uh, next uh, Monday. The the biggest change for most people will be the extension of the restriction to stay within five kilometres of our home. That's going to be lifted to 20 kilometres. Now, while people will still be continued, the advice still will be to avoid non-essential travel. You will be able to make visits or exercise outside of the five kilometres up to 20 kilometres. But it also means you'll be able to visit loved ones because four people will be allowed to gather in a home. Now, you'll still have to maintain social distancing and all of that. And that's not just restricted to family members. You'll be able to pop around to a friend's house. You'll be able to travel up to 20 kilometres to go and visit a friend. A group of friends can get together and have a little evening together or afternoon tea, uh, whatever it is. We'll be able to do that from uh, Monday. People will also be allowed to visit those who are cocooning. So that's certainly good news for the uh, cocooners. Again, people will be asked to stay two metres away. I think on the coco- if you're visiting somebody in any of the asterisk groups, it'll be suggested that you wear face coverings. It'll be suggested that you wear gloves, um, etc. They're also will be a larger number allowed to attend funerals. I still don't have the figure. At the moment, the figure is 10 people. Uh, I don't know what the new number is going to be. We'll hear more about this tomorrow. But a large number will be able to attend funerals. But from what I can gather, it will still be limited to family members and very close friends. We still, we will not be going back to the traditional funerals that we're used to in this country where everyone can turn up to sympathise. But there will at least be more than the 10 that is currently there because that's adding hugely to the grief of people. And some people have really, really struggled with only 10 people being allowed to a funeral. And from a shopping point of view, next Monday, phase two, will allow for the reopening of small retail outlets with a small number of staff on the basis that the retailer can control the number of individuals and staff and customers that are inside of the shop at any one time. It is going to mean there will be much more queuing going on out of the streets because if you've got very small shops that say are only allowing two, three customers in, in at a time, it'll mean there will be more people outside of shops. Now, I don't know, is that going to present problems? What if you've three shops all three shops all lined up together and there's queues outside all of them? Is one queue going to run over onto another queue? Because the queuing outside, obviously, the social distancing will have to remain in place, uh, the two metres. So, but um, hopefully it's not going to, uh, there won't be any problems there and people will just all act sensibly. And if you arrive and there's too big a queue outside the shop, 
go away and come back at another time when it's quieter. Marts are also expected to reopen from Monday. Larger stores and pubs and clubs, they all will remain uh, closed. The homeware stores, remember there was huge confusion over the homeware stores the last time. They're expected uh, to reopen from Monday as well. Public libraries are going to open. Again, we mentioned this during the week, the opening of the libraries is going to be different to the way going into libraries and just, you know, spending an hour or two perusing the books. Don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to to be very much on a call and collect type basis. We'll get more details on that. But they are to reopen to the public from Monday. Sports will can return in a very limited manner. The guidelines will allow for people to engage in outdoor sporting and fitness activities, but it will you only be allowed small groups and team sports training. You won't be allowed matches, but small groups will be allowed to train uh, together once social distancing can be maintained, etc. And where there's no uh, physical contact. And then phase two, that will last for three weeks. And then the decision to move to phase three, uh, that won't be announced until June the uh, 29th. That's what's expected to be announced tomorrow. We'll all keep our fingers crossed and hope everything goes according to plan. Almost three quarters of Irish motorists say the cost of an electric car is a barrier to buying them, with more than half citing confusion about the options open to them for environmentally friendly purchases. The researchers revealed as part of of a national survey by the Irish Car Carbon Reduction Alliance and joining me their spokesperson Dennis Murphy of Blackwater Motors here in uh, Cork. Good morning to you Dennis. Good morning Patricia. Um, you're welcome to the programme. Now, Thank you. What percentage of people are currently driving electric cars in this country? Oh, of the total fleet there's two and a half million cars in the country approximately um, and there's less than 10,000 at the moment so it's tiny 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 figures Yeah so we are no way near the government's target of or no way getting near the government's target of it was it 850,000 electric cars on the road by 2030 yeah. that's simply unattainable isn't it? You see the the, the government has, has confused the issue um, Patricia right by, by by that one figure alone they, they want a, a 1 million electric vehicles on the road by 2030 and 850,000 of them are to be cars, right? Now, by, by saying that, right, and, and not addressing um, the issues, right, that, that cause um, the, the high emissions that we have from cars in this country has totally confused our, our consumers, so much so, right, that 53% of them um, are afraid to buy a new car in the next number of years because of the government's proposed ban in, in 2030. Then at the same time, 62% would actually buy a new car in the next couple of years if it was proved to be more environmentally friendly. And we have an issue in this country, uh, Patricia, that, that the reason we have um, high emissions from cars in this country and our emissions from cars in this country are 40% above the European average. And the reason for that, right, is that we drive way more in Ireland than um, than the European average. We drive 18,000 kilometres per annum in this country, and the average across Europe is 12,000 kilometres. And, why, and do vast, we, why do we drive more? And the vast majority of it, Patricia, is outside of Dublin. And like in counties like Cork, like in, in Cork is just under 20,000 kilometres, but in counties in around the Dublin area, like, like Longford, Roscommon, Cavan, Monaghan, Westmead, those counties are all up into 20,000 kilometres per annum. And what, what happens, right, is that we live in the countryside in this, in this country, Patricia, and we drive 
everywhere and we can't have public transport in every little town and village in order to suit the needs of the population. That's why we drive. So there's only two ways that we can reduce our emissions. And remember now, we've got to reduce our emissions, Patricia, because we're 40% above the European mm. average. And we've got but, but, but you're saying the car is, is a necessity. It's not a luxury for somebody living in, in rural it Ireland. Is. It is. And, and electric cars are the future. Our other zero emission cars as well, and people have heard about hydrogen fuel cells, that they'll come as well. But they're not coming towards the end of the decade. It'll be 2028, 2029 or even 2030 by the time electric cars are affordable. And what we mean by affordable, Patricia, is that like 70% of new cars that are bought in this country are priced under €30,000. Okay. Electric cars at the moment are at €45,000 before the grants, and the grants are to go over the next couple of years. So we've got to talk about the price before the grants. So they've got to come down to less than €30,000. They've got to be a big supply of cars, like because at the moment they're just five seaters. You know, you've got to have mm. seven seaters. You've got to have SUVs. You've got to have all the different types of cars that are there, and that's not going to be till the end of the decade. And in the interim, we still have emissions targets to achieve, our emission reductions targets to achieve. And what we're saying is that there's only two ways of doing this: either we reduce the distances that we travel, which we all can do, or we drive more fuel-efficient cars. And the current petrol and diesel cars are 28% more fuel efficient than the average car on the Irish roads at the moment. So if you move from your average car on the Irish road at the moment into a new petrol or diesel car, you're going to save you're going to save 28% in emissions. So get and the are, get the older cars off the road is what you're saying. Well, the average car, the average car, the average car in Ireland is is, is just under is just under 10 years old. So that's and we have a million cars on the roads over 10 years. So, like, if, if, and the thing is that, like, we're not saying get rid of all the old cars that are on the roads, but because, like, if you're driving an old car and it's, like, say, a car over 10 years old or 14 years old and you're going to Mass on a Sunday and you're going to the shop during the week and you're doing a small motor driving, then you're not causing any real emissions or you're not causing any real damage to the, to the environment, right? But if you have a car that's in excess of 10 years old, and you're driving the average mileage in this country, which is 18,000 kilometres, then you're causing a lot of damage. And those cars, and it's that type, like we've got to narrow the focus to the peop, to the, the actual um, method of producing the emission. And it's people driving older cars that are driving 18,000 to 20,000 kilometres a year. And do you, cars, believe, do you believe, though, in the main, people do want to reduce their well, everybody, car carbon everybody footprint? That comes in, everybody that comes in, Patricia, everybody that comes in is, wants to do it, believe it or not. Like, it's very rare that you wouldn't get somebody that doesn't bring it up. Very, very rare. Like, people are very conscious of, of the environment and and the climate and the climate crisis that's, that's ongoing at the moment, and everybody wants to do something about it, including ourselves, and that's why... And we're saying that... Right, from from our point of view, and we're, like, we represent the majority of new car dealers in the country, right? What we're saying is that if if we don't do this, if we don't move to more efficient form of transport between now and twenty thirty, we have not a hope of hitting these emission reduction targets. And that will mean fines from the EU. Huge. So billions, that that will co- that will that will cost the the, the country. And, 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 what, and what we've done for the listeners there, we, we've created a website called eWay. 2040, so it's www.eway2040.ie and if you go onto that website it's brand neutral which means that it has nothing to do with any manufacturers and 
information in there, but the vast majority of the information in there has been got from independent sources. And it, it shows you everything about electric cars and how we're going to get from where we are today in 2020 to where we need to be in 15 or 20 years' time when we all need to be driving electric cars or other forms of zero-emission transport. Because the government's plan, right, which is like 850,000 electric cars by 2030 and the ban on internal combustion engine cars by 2030, they're just lines, like they're just words. There's no actual detail from the government on how exactly we're going to achieve this. And like, and that's the thing that, that and we, when we came to them, like the reason we set up this website, EVA 2040, and the reason we're talking to you and talking to a lot of other people, right, is to create awareness around the danger that, that, that we're in by not hitting these, these emissions reduction targets and that the government need to change um, their plan and bring in a more practical plan, a more pragmatic plan, and a plan that can be achieved rather than just words. Because all that's in the Climate Action Plan, which was released about a year, almost a year ago to the day, are just words. Yeah, and, and, and I think, you know, when, when the government announced, you know, there was going to be a ban on the sale of new petrol and diesel cars in, in 2030, I'm, I'm assuming that's turning people off the thought of buying a petrol diesel car in the next yeah, five years. 50, 50, just around 50% of people won't buy a car because of that. Nevin in Glanmire, one of our listeners, says, I'm yes. thinking of changing my car this year or next year. I don't think electric would suit me due to the fact of lack of charging points. But should I be aiming at a petrol or should I be going for a petrol hybrid? I'm reading the motor magazines, but I, I'm really unsure as what way I should be heading. I mean, that's, just, that's, exa- that's, that's, that's exactly what we're saying. And yeah, that's confusion. Why created, that's why we've created a website. So, like, if he goes on to the website, eway2040.ie, all that's explained inside there. And especially explains what car is more suitable for you, whether it's a petrol car, a diesel car, um, a mild hybrid. I know I get technical here now. A mild hybrid, a conventional hybrid, a plug-in hybrid, or an electric or full electric car. It's all explained on that website without any jargon or without any sort of industry terminology it's all done, written by lay people. It wasn't written by anybody within the industry. It's written by lay people for lay people. Okay, and a number of people on electric cars worried about, kind of the point Nevin made there, we don't have enough charging points in this country. And And people are fearful if they're going for a drive that their battery will run out. And one of the main preconditions, one of the main preconditions for... um, the, the advent of electric cars in any country, not just in Ireland, is a substantial charging infrastructure. We have about a thousand in the country at the moment, and there's about planned for another thousand by 2025. We need about for a million cars, we need close to 20,000. So we're we're way shy of that, and that's what I'm saying. Like about the government, the climate action plan, the government's plan being all about words. It's it. There's no strategy. There's no plan. It's just words. And we're in serious danger of not hitting these emissions targets, right? And have serious repercussions for us as a country if we don't hit these targets. Okay, okay. And uh, car showrooms, say uh, you've reopened. Uh, how's business? Are people buying cars? Yeah, thankfully. Good. <laughs> like it's be 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 like it's a it's a lot. like when we came back, we're back now two weeks and and whatever three days because Bank Holiday is this week. And we in Blackwater Motors, we have everybody back working. No. Right. We plan to bring them back or bring everybody back um, 
on a sales basis. We didn't because we expected it to be to be really really quiet. Mm. But it's been a lot busier than what we expected, Patricia. Which is Touchwood is good, right? And and I must compliment. I'm criticising the government, but I must compliment the government as well because the wage subsidy scheme is a huge help. Like it has a lot of uh, deficiencies in it, but it has the the positives that it has in it. Always, the, absolutely, the absolutely. And it, it's a it massive kept, help to, to enable everybody, businesses like us, bring all our staff back. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. I I do think it's one of the things they they got a lot right. They got things wrong as well, but I do think it's one of the things that they, that they certainly got right. Has the way you do business changed though? When somebody comes in to to buy a car, yeah. Well, it, it's like when and. Like inside the showrooms now, we, we've taken out half the cars, right, because we have social distancing among the cars as well, okay. and all the cars are closed, right? Yeah. So you can't actually, if you want to the car park, all the cars are closed. So if you want if you want to look at a car, right, now a lot of it is by appointment as well. We're doing a lot of things online, but say physically, when you come into the showroom, like we, we if you want to go for test drive, you got to go for test drive on your own, right? And when you come back, then we have these, these disinfectants. It's not for work, no, to call it disinfected units, right? But mm. we put them into the car when people come back. So it's like a, it's like a 30 second job and it cleans out the, the car on the inside and we wipe down all the surfaces and the door handles, things like that. Now that's a bit weird, all right? They have mm. to do that. Every, and that's every, just for fear that somebody who could send into the car might yeah. have had COVID-19. You're just, you're or working. Might have coughed, might have coughed on wow, the steering wheel or wow. something like that. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's what we're doing, and we have the screens up. We have all the measurements in the showrooms. We've turned off all our coffee machines, all our tea, all that's gone, all the water, all that kind of stuff is all is all gone, you know. And we keep our distance from people, but our, our distance, anyway, Patricia was moving online, you know, like yeah. like the industry um, had our planning had planned ever before COVID nineteen that everything was going to be done online, like for more brands. No, by next year. On the server side of thing, you're going to be able, like it's going to be like bookings.com. You're going to be able to book all the way through to the very end without having the phones or things like that, and get your invoice and get your bill rolled without ever having to see anybody around the car dealership. You know, so all that was already happening. The same with cars. So you're going to be able to buy the cars online, get evaluation for your trading online, do your finance application online. What COVID nineteen has done is that it's accelerated that process. So instead of it being here in about two years' time, we're probably going to see it not by, by the end of next year. You, you, you'll see the full digitalization of our, our business process. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. You know, unfortunately, I think you're right. It's the way forward. It's uh, everything. But, it, is but the only thing, well, what the sort, what like this is now getting away from our sort. What international studies have shown is that people will not buy a car without seeing it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's one thing. I, how can you buy a car without without physically actually seeing it? All the surveys were all young, like, and there's, there's a lot of other countries that are more advanced for us in online sending of cars and online sending of servicing. The people will not buy the car. They will not even choose a colour without seeing it in the flesh either, you know. So right. that's the type. So there's still hope for us yet that okay. we still have car, that we still be home within 10 or 15 years' time. And, and, and Dennis, the news that uh, some of the NCT centres are opening on a phase basis, is that good? Uh, that's good for the motor industry, surely? Certificate, you know, yeah, so. the well, but like how, how we're open 
and they're not open. It's a bit strange for us. We can't understand. Well, phase base. Phase base is from next Monday, but it's only two for Cork, the Little Island, and uh, Blarney. Like, like, I can't understand why we're open because what we do is more or less the same as what they do. Yeah, yeah. And they're not open. Yeah, a lot, a lot of people at the time said it as well. All right, listen, yeah. Dennis, we leave it there. Thank you for that. And Thanks just once again, much. the website, just to direct people to the it's website, way. 2040. EY 2040. Okay, thanks for that and thanks for joining us. Uh, Good morning to you. That is uh, uh, Dennis Murphy joining us from uh, Blackwater Blackwater Motors, but he's part of the Irish Car Carbon Reduction Alliance. 1850-333-103. Court today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. The government recently launched Phase 1 of Ireland's roadmap to reopening the country. The following information relates to updated guidelines for transport and travel. Travel restrictions are implemented as follows. There is a nationwide restriction on travel outside of 5 kilometres from your home, except for reasons outlined at gov.ie. Travel to Ireland's offshore islands is limited to residents of those islands. Local authorities have relaxed on-street parking laws to meet the travel needs of workers. The measures are reflected in the regulations under the Health Act 2000 and will be enforced by the Garda Síochána. Stay safe and stay up to date with all COVID-19 information at c103.ie. Every couple has a story of how they met. My mum met my dad at school uh, in detention. My best friend met his wife at a club through a friend of a friend. And my boss met her fiancé after they got chatting online. Find someone to share your story with at c103dating.ie. 24% of Irish people have tried online dating and one in five relationships begin there. At c103dating.ie, we have genuine nice people that would like to meet you. Begin your story today by registering for free at c103dating.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. In the last hour, we were talking about what the changes are going to be in phase two, which we are expected are going to be announced tomorrow for the reopening of the country from the COVID-19 restrictions. And one of the items I mentioned uh, was the fact that people are going to be allowed to visit other people in their homes and people will be able to go visit those that are cocooning. Now, it's going to come with strict rules and regulations. They're saying the visits should be short and the visitors should wear face covering and gloves. And of course, uh, when you're visiting somebody in the at-risk of vulnerable groups, to maintain the two metre distance rule. That's prompted Mary, one of our listeners, to say, Patricia, what about hugging our grandchildren? When are we going to be able to hug our grandchildren? And I'm assuming, Mary, from your text that you're in, you're cocooning, you're in that, the what's deemed the at-risk uh, group. Unfortunately, still too early yet for the hugging of uh, grandchildren. And I know and I appreciate how hard that is and we hear that all the time uh, from listeners, how they are just missing uh, hugging their grandchildren and the grandchildren are missing hugging the grandparents too. Actually with children in mind, the first global survey of children's experiences of life under coronavirus has just been launched. Queen's University in Belfast is leading the research project. It's aimed at young people between the ages of 8 and 17 and they hope to get their views on the pandemic. Joining me is one of the researchers uh, Michelle Templeton. Uh, Good morning to you Michelle. Good morning. Hello. Uh, hello. You're very welcome to the programme. Now, the the idea here is that the young people themselves answer the questions, is it? Well, I mean, so what's unique about this survey is 
and that it has been developed with children for children. Um, you know, so we we have consulted with over 270 children around 28 countries in the world when we were designing the project. So what we have really gathered there is the information that children want to know on how other children are feeling and whether they're able to learn and play and stay in touch with their friends and their parents. Um, so it was really important for us from our Centre for Children's Rights to get children's perspectives in there. And then what we have done is framed their suggestions um, around sort of children's rights themes in terms of education, health, protection, etc. And so it's the children themselves will log on, answer the questions. Obviously, children, the younger children, eight, nine-year-olds, can parents give them a little bit of a helping hand if they need some help with it? Yes, oh, of course, yes. So um, when, when someone links into the survey, so different age groups will be routed towards different questions. So the younger children will get, obviously, less questions than what we, we would give to the older children. So when you log into the survey, um, you, know, you will see that there is a, a, there's a button that asks, you know, did someone help you complete this survey? And the adults will click yes. And they go to like a confidentiality statement, um, which would be part of our ethics guidelines and whatever, uh, just to say that they will hold the children's confidence, you know, and that we will know then how many children would have had help from okay. other adults. Okay. And, and it's a, is it an anonymous survey? It is. Yeah. It's anonymous. We don't need any personalised information, no names, nothing like that. Okay. So can you give us an example of the type of questions that are asked? Yeah, so, I mean, for example, the children um, wanted to know about how children are feeling. So there's questions in there about asking how, how they're feeling and what, what is their most, um, you know, so what feeling are they feeling the most? Are they afraid, lonely, happy, scared, optimistic? You know, so, so there's questions around feelings. There's questions around education. So we're trying to capture change. So our scales of measurement are around, you know, was it better before coronavirus? Is it the same as coronavirus? Um, you know, is it less than, more than, better? So we're asking things about education. Has your education been disrupted? For those who are in education, there's other questions maybe for older children um, mm. who, who would be working or for younger children who would not be in education. Um, and around how they're spending their free time and are they, get, are they getting time on their own? Are they keeping in contact with friends? We're asking about social media and what platforms they use. Um, and we're also asking about protections and about health. So are they getting the information that they need? Do they trust the information that they get? Have they got access to, you know, me- medical care if they needed it? Do they have soap and water? So bit Basic questions like that. Yeah, okay. Um, the and I think it's I think it's interesting on the on the feelings one because I think sometimes we for, we forget and, and particularly the younger children, uh, they don't really know what's going on and 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 we forget to link in with their feelings to see how they are feeling. You know, particularly around being scared or even that text I read out from Mary, the granny who wants to hug her grandchildren. Like grandchildren are missing hugging granny as well. I know, of course, um, and, and there's questions in there about family and are you able to stay in contact with your mum, your dad, other important people in your life, you know, your friends, your family, you know, and it's it's it's, it's really interesting, um, you know, that you say that because w- w- one of the things, so I mean, p- part of our methodology, I'm sure our friends down there in Ireland, anyone who, who works with children and young people will have heard of our model, the Lundy model of uh, children's participation. Um, it's in your national strategy down there. 
Um, so, you know, our, our, our model is to consult with the children, see what's important to them. You know, as adults, we get together, make something up. But another important element of how we developed our survey was then going back to an international advisory group of children just to check back that the language was okay, the phrasing worked, and they changed a lot of things. So one of the things they changed in the survey was we're involved with um, it was a big coalition all around the world of all the top NGOs all around the world um, and the United Nations Office of Special Representative on Violence Against Children. You know, so there's big, big, big players involved here, right. over 25 organisations. And, you know, they've all had their input into the survey. So what, one of the things on feelings was interesting. So as researchers, you know, we would kind of try to balance out the feelings, you know, so whatever kind of sort of bad feelings we had to balance that out with good feelings, you know, but the, the, the feelings coming back from the children in the con- in the initial consultation was more about fear and being afraid um, and about loss, you know, loss of school, loss of friends, loss of contact. And when we went back to our advisory group about that as well, um, you know, so we were worried about putting in the word, you know, are you afraid? Are you scared? Yeah. And the advisory group had said, no, of course, put that in, you know, because that is the reality. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I know in the very early days of the pandemic, uh, doing an interview uh, because a, a listener had contacted us, the, the, her child was terrified of anyone in the family getting COVID-19 getting coronavirus and were they all going to die and, and she was saying that every time they'd switch off the news because this child a young I mean she was only about eight or nine was just getting obsessed with the news bulletin and how many people had died how many people have been diagnosed with COVID-19 and, and that real fear factor in a young child uh-huh, I know and it's incredible and you know it, it might be uncomfortable for some and some people might like to address it you know but it, it is the reality the children are hearing these things yeah yeah. So in, in our survey, we're trying to pick up where they're getting their information from, who they're getting it from, how they're feeling about that, and do they trust the information. So obviously another big thing that's important for our children all around the world is online safety. And uh, one of the things that came up a lot in our initial consultation was about fake news. Mm. You know, how do you discern what information is right and what is not trusting the government's information? You know, so what one one of the, the batches of questions that our advisory group um, said was very important to keep in uh, was about questions about your government. You know, if you could talk to your government, then what would you say to them? Right. So they, they were all very important. It'll be, it'll be really so, interesting think, as well to see what will be the different answers from the different countries, won't it, the, the children around the world? Well, that's the beauty of having the international collaboration and collaborating with all these big organisations because they have access and they have offices and they work with children around the world in all different countries so we can access those children. So it will be really interesting for us to disaggregate the data when we get back to see what are the main issues for children in different countries and compare with our own as well. And then at the end of it all, when you have all of the information in and you collate all the data, Michelle, what do you hope to do with the results of the survey? So so this, this survey will be, be used be used as a global advocacy tool, you know, so it's to ensure the children's views are placed at the heart of decision making and that what's happening to them is realised and acknowledged by our governments and policy and decision makers all, all, all around the world, you know, because 
our children are being affected by by this, but they are the least likely group to have a say yeah. in what's happening in their lives. Yeah, yeah. Things are changing all around them. So this is for global. Also, all the organisations that we would work with, like Save the Children, World Vision, Terra Homes, Your Your Own Child, they're all big international child rights organisations, and that's why it's great for us to partner up with them because it means that we can get our messages out. So it's evidence based data, really to give to governments and to policy makers and other uh, key agencies across the world which can put children's views at the heart of their decision making. Okay, Michelle, how do people access the survey? So the survey is coming out, obviously as a global survey, it's coming out in many languages. Okay. So the English version was launched first just last week there. Um, I'm putting the French out today. I have Arabic, Russian and Spanish coming in today okay. to be done as well. So we've loads of different languages. If the, I mean, it's, it's we have a hashtag, hashtag COVID under 19. Do you see what we did there? Yeah, absolutely. Very clever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, brilliant. So we have, so we have uh, Facebook, we have Twitter accounts, we have Instagram going on there. But um, if you want to, if anyone wants to click on to the Queen's University website, go to the Centre for Children's Rights. If they hit the news tab, so you'll see that at the top of the news tab, the COVID under 19 initiative is at the top of the page there. And And if you click into there, the links for the the survey will be added to every day as languages come out. It's open until when? When do you want? It's open until the 27th of June, but we may extend that if we're having trouble getting into other countries with other languages, maybe. But 27th of June. Okay, good luck with it and we'll be very interested in the results. And thanks a million for taking time out to talk to us today. Cheers, thank you Good so morning much. to Good you. Bye-bye, bye-bye. Michelle Templeton there, one of the researchers from Queen's University in Belfast on that uh, COVID uh, under uh, 19 uh, special survey for children. So if you've got somebody in the household between 8 and uh, 17, uh, you might direct them towards that survey. OK, some of your texts and calls coming into the programme, 1850 Let me go to just some of your texts uh, coming in. Uh, we mentioned earlier that part-time staff, uh, it's expected, will be the first to see a cut in the COVID payment of 350. It's expected that that's going to be reduced to 203, which would put it in line with the job seekers allowance, which is currently paid to the unemployed. Anne says, with the COVID payment being spoken about being cut to 203 euro for part-time workers, would they not consider applying that to the under 23s who at the moment are only entitled to 112 euro on job seekers? I also feel that the current Leaving Cert students who have no work at the moment should be entitled to the job seekers. They're not entitled to it until the end of August. This group of young people really have got a raw deal. No leaving cert, no graduation, no debs, no grads, no leaving cert night, uh, no work and now no welfare, says Anne. And it was a group I hadn't thought about because in the normal run of the mill, the leaving cert students would be sitting there leaving cert. Actually, the leaving cert would have started yesterday. So they'd be doing their leaving cert and normally they get summer work and those that don't and they're not allowed to sign on it's usually after the results come out is at the end of August uh, normally young people if they're still out of work or not going on to college are allowed to sign on but I'd forgotten about that group they're, they're completely and they have Anne is right they've completely missed out because the part time work that those young people normally did like all the summer jobs people working in the tourism industry there was so much summer work and it was students 
and it was leaving certs uh, as well. So Anne is right, yeah, they, they are completely missing out. Uh, something else for the class of 2020 to say that they've missed out on. Philip says, good morning, Patricia. Our future tourism business, oh, this is on the electric cars that we discussed in the last hour. Our future tourism business will also depend on how many charge points there, there are around the country, especially for visiting motorists who will be coming in onto our shores with their own cars. Uh, we really, yeah, and it's, it's something I think that the government seriously have to look at. I mean, if there are any way believing that we could have a million electric cars on a road by 2030, which is now less than 10 years away, the one thing that they will have to have is enough charge points because I think it's, it's certainly for me, uh, after the cost, I mean, they're, they're, they're just so expensive electric cars, but after costs, I think the next one, certainly for me, and I think I'm speaking on behalf of a lot of people, would be the fear that you'd go somewhere and you wouldn't be able to get a charge point to charge up the car uh, and I think a lot of people would have a fear on that so yes and I hadn't thought about people coming to this country to visit they may stop and think about visiting if they can't bring their own car and there are not enough charge points so, so Philip you're right on that one hope you're keeping well thank you for your text we mentioned that the NCTs will be back up in business limited phase basis from next Monday somebody wants to know Patricia will the tax office open up do you know take care not on the list certainly not on the list to open I mean we've got to wait until tomorrow for the government to make the full announcement on what's going to reopen on phase two uh, we know what's in the roadmap we know what's in the plan and everything in the plan is expected uh, to open will there be additions to it there could be haven't heard anything about the tax office uh, reopening and actually somebody else is on about on driver driving licences when you're talking about tax office what about somebody with a driver's licence John says Patricia in regards to provisional driving licence for an agricultural vehicle I found out yesterday that yet again a test booked for the 10th of June may still be cancelled as the test centres are not fitted out with the restriction equipment that's required. What in God's name were they doing or have been doing since last March that they didn't get the facilities ready like every other business has had to do? Also questions should be asked of the Minister in charge why actions to put this test online wasn't looked at, says uh, John. Well another uh, text or the piece that we did about electric cars says the motor industry are only interested in selling uh, cars they're not worried about the environment if they were why are they not talking about aeroplanes aeroplanes are producing a lot more carbon than cars do says this texter thank you for that hi Patricia says Pat we all know the batteries in electric cars don't last long and they're expensive then to replace as well aren't they Uh, Pat doesn't think electric cars are very reliable at the the, um, moment people driving them though say something very very different indeed but I suppose there is that perception there that the batteries don't last and if they're not going to be reliable that certainly would add to people stopping and thinking about getting an electric car or not anybody help a Balanine listener says Patricia hope you're well just wondering does anybody know how my son would get a safe pass done or can it be done online he has a job for the summer but he can't take up the job until he has the safe pass in his hand a Balanine uh, listener okay does anybody know how the safe pass I'll get John Paul or Sadie to try and do a bit of research on that to see because I'm, I'm assuming your son is not the only one that's affected by that and particularly now 
that we are reopening industry and we know construction has started to go back to work. So there will be more people in need of a safe pass. So we'll, we'll see if we can find out for you what's happening. And in the meantime, we'll call it out to see if anybody else has found themselves in that situation. How does this listener's son get around getting the need to get a safe pass because they can't go to work without it. 1850-333-103. Mag says students should never have been given the €350 in the COVID-19 payment. They should have been put on the job seekers. Uh, instead, the 203 that they're now talking about reducing it to, it should have started at that rate from the beginning. And hi, Patricia, just wondering, does anybody know about osteopaths? When will osteopaths be back up and running? I need to see one badly. I went on to the Osteopaths Council of Ireland web page for you to take a quick look. The latest update they have is nearly a month ago. It was on the 4th of May and at that stage they were still recommending that members refrain from engaging in face-to-face consultations with uh, patients. Now they were saying that people could do, they could triage somebody over the phone. You can say there's a triage, a telephone triage protocol. So what I would suggest as I've been doing with other people looking for uh, a chiropodist or a chiropractor is ring if you have a phone number for the person, the osteopath that you have been using up to now. I would suggest putting a call through, have a chat with them because, you know, I mean, to hear you say you, you need to see one badly, you're obviously in a lot of pain. Your osteopath will know you the best and certainly they'll either be able to help you either if they can't get to see you face to face an osteopath that's a hands-on procedure they may be able to give you the advice on what you could do and feeling that they may be able to see you I don't know if they were taking maybe some are taking emergency appointments it was like when dentists uh, closed there was emergency dentists operating and maybe something similar is happening with osteopaths. So I would suggest my advice to you would be is ring your osteopath and uh, see how you get on there. 1850-333-103. Sadie and John Paul taking your calls. Text our uh, WhatsApp 0862 103103. C103 Jobs. Araglan House Nursing Home in Bohabri. They're recruiting a full-time experienced housekeeper. Part-time groomer is required for a busy veterinary practice that's in the Duhallow area. All grooming equipment will be supplied. While a person is wanted for a part-time position in a North Cork office and a qualified mechanic with a good knowledge of mechanics and electrics are wanted for the West Cork area. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is... C103. Court today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. C103 encourages you to shop local during COVID-19. Most of our stores remain closed, so we can't go to the shop, but we can still support them by shopping online. Use Facebook, Instagram and Twitter to search for hashtag shop local. And buy from Cork businesses. Buy from Cork businesses. It's a sign of the time. Get everything you need from toys to toilet roll and groceries to gardening. Support your neighbours, friends and communities and shop local. It's a sign of the time. Supported by McCarthy Insurance Group, a Cork family business looking after you in this time of need. See mig.ie. Shop local with C103.
Now, one family, the charity that supports people parenting alone, has seen an 84% increase in calls to their helpline compared to the same period last year. One family chief executive is Karen Kiernan, who uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Karen. Good morning. And you're welcome to the programme. Now, what are the main issues that single parents are calling you about? In the very early days of the lockdown, I suppose in, in March and April, everybody, I think, had higher levels of anxiety. And, you know, people were confused and um, worried um, about so many different things. So I suppose that, that was kind of the underlying thing that many parents were contacting us about. But actually, the specific issues, um, there were two really big ones. One was around access and contact visits for their children with the other parents. Um, and then the other one was child maintenance payments where they may have suddenly stopped coming in and what what were people to do. So it's been a real mixture and just a phenomenal increase in terms of people getting in touch um, because they felt isolated or because they felt more depressed than usual. Um, You know, we definitely, people are talking about their mental health more and how that has been negatively affected by the lockdown. Okay, to talk about some of those issues, um, the, the financial one for, uh, first, the maintenance one, Karen, I, I'm assuming what happened there in some cases was, let's assume the father was paying the maintenance, the father has been temporarily laid off because of COVID-19. Did they just simply stop paying the maintenance then? Well, some did. and um, Some would have had a conversation with the other parents and, you know, because they're able to do that. But I suppose for... For parents where they're not getting on and haven't ever gotten on, um, for some, the maintenance just didn't appear uh, that month or that week. And so then people were left with no money, uh, wondering what to do. The courts were closed. Um, you know, what about social welfare? You know, so, so there was all of those issues. And we were able to get a system going with the Department of Social Protection where if somebody was on a payment, they would just increase it back up temporarily without having to go to court, which of course is completely unfeasible. Um, even now, uh, it's, it's difficult to get a court case around maintenance issues. Um, so, so that was an issue. And then many parents uh, who are parenting on their own also lost their jobs themselves and uh, were trying to cope uh, maybe with uh, mortgage payments um, or, you know, high rental costs um, and not having a job and, and how to cope with that. So it, it's been a real mix. I mean, so many people, of course, as we know in the country, it's been affected neg- negatively in terms of their income. And um, uh, lone parents are absolutely the same. And a lot would have been in part-time precarious work. So a lot of their work were, was gone um, pretty early on. And a lot of lone parents, uh, Karen, because we've discussed it on this programme uh, with your good self before, a lot of lone parents had been financially struggling even before COVID-19. Oh, Absolutely. I mean, if you're one parent family, there are four times more likely to live in consistent poverty than other families. You know, there's a lot of data out there showing that many of the poorest children in Ireland live in one parent families. So, um, you know, it, it's a really it's a it's a hard road. <laughs> it's a, it, it's difficult because there's so many things to pay for, and the big things in Ireland, of course, are accommodation and childcare costs. And really, for a lot of families, they need two incomes to pay for those things in Ireland. Now, that's where, how we let those things go. Um, and if you have one income or less than one income, it's really, really difficult yeah, to do. Yeah. And then we also saw that for a lot of people where they were relying on their family for support or for childcare, that could have been gone overnight as well. So maybe their support system was gone, but also for people who were continuing to work. For lone parents who are continuing to work, say, 
in whether it's retail or whether it's um, office work remotely or whether it's um, frontline healthcare work. For a lot of them, they've had massive problems with childcare and continue to have massive problems with childcare because they can't pay for the childcare, they can't get anybody to do it and they can't use their family where they used to be able to maybe get help from their family. So there's a huge amount of challenges for people who are parenting on their own trying to keep things going uh, during these kind of restrictions. I think the majority of parents, uh, Karen, are finding the homeschooling uh, uh, a bit tricky and a bit difficult. Is it even harder when the person is trying to, to cope with that on their own? Yeah, and if they're trying to work maybe as well yeah. from home, yeah. it's really, really difficult. So it's, it's funny because our, our parenting team in one family have said, look, once the, the, the kind of immediate issues got resolved, or looked at around access and maintenance and money, the next issue coming up with homeschooling. Just parents were really stressed, finding it really difficult, um, partly because they may not have had the data, as in being able to afford the Wi-Fi or the broadband or access to it, or having the right equipment, um, so a tablet or a laptop, to, to, a, to be able to help their children do their work. And then also because it's just quite stressful. Some children engage really well, but a lot of them are struggling at home and would do better in a classroom. And they're missing their friends and it's hard to stay motivated. So I know our parenting team has done a lot of work through our helpline with people around the country on this and through the Facebook parenting page. They've done a lot of support work. So if anyone's listening and they're thinking, oh my God, I absolutely relate to this, there is support available from us um, online around this. Um, just in terms of knowing other people are going through the same thing or suggestions about how to try and cope with it in your family. Yeah. A really hard one. Yeah, sometimes just knowing you're not the only one. And yeah, there's so many people struggling with that one. Uh, you mentioned um, access uh, issues. I mean, uh, if people are restricted by the five kilometre rule and initially that was only a two kilometre uh, rule, not being able to leave your go further than, than, than two or five kilometres, was that leading to access issues for, for people to say who are sharing parenting? Yeah, no, actually the rule was never relevant for people who had access um, arrangements in place. Okay. Um, so in fact, just if anyone is confused about that, that's not an issue. If you need to travel farther than five kilometres to be able to bring your children to or from an access visit, visit or to or from their home or whatever it might be, if these children are living between two homes, that's all Okay. So the Minister for Justice came out early enough and clarified that. It just took then, we kept hearing of parents being stopped by Gardaí where they maybe didn't, um, hadn't realised that. But that is there in the guidelines. It is okay to travel for access. But I suppose what we were seeing were people maybe who had um, uh, arrangements in place and then suddenly one of the parents were, wanted to stop and or change those arrangements and because of various concerns. And some of those could have been really valid and some of those may not have been as relevant and could have been a little opportunistic. Mm. So we heard of people who didn't want to see their children. We heard of people who wouldn't return their children to where they live most of the time. We heard of people who wouldn't release their children to the other parent for visits. And some of that may have been, you know, based on the health concerns of the children or the parents or whoever they were living with, and some of it may not have been. And the big message was, if there's a court order in place, you do your best to comply with that. But it also really relies on people making wise decisions. And it's hard sometimes for people to do that when they've been in conflict for a long time or whether where there's been abuse within the relationship. And because the courts were not really dealing with these issues, they are now looking at breach of, main, of, breach of access orders um, in some of the district courts where people can apply to have a breach of an access order 
um, hard in a court. Um, but for some people, they could work it out um, and kind of get to the stage where they were able to let go a bit. Um, and we were able to do a lot of telephone work with people around that. And for others, they couldn't. Um, because, in fact, uh, people were just making unilateral decisions or seeing it as an opportunity to maybe um, uh, ab- abuse uh, within a relationship. Um, so it has been a very difficult time, I think, for children caught in the middle of that yeah. and for parents who are trying to figure out the best yeah. thing to do. Dreadful, when, Dre- dreadful. Yeah. And I know one issue that we dealt with on this programme, Karen, was the issue of some shops, mainly supermarkets, having a no-children rule in the store and that caused great difficulty for some single parents you know some of them telling us I'd know where to leave my child I, I, they're too young to leave them you know sit outside in the car yeah. you know my mother normally would look after the, them my mother's cocooning or I can't get to my mother she lives too far away and it was causing a lot of problems are retailers now applying a more common sense approach? That's our experience we're hearing less it was absolutely horrendous um, and I think people really underestimated the not just the physical and practical impact but the emotional impact because for many parents they were mortified, they were embarrassed, some were verbally abused in shops by other shoppers. So I think we really have to trust that if a parent is bringing a child to a shop it's because they have to. And I suppose we're also asking two parent families not to bring their children if they don't have to. Like leave the space for the people who really need it. And some retailers really got it once they thought about it. They were able to, you know, make it a safe shopping experience for everybody, which is what you need. You need their staff protected. You need the customers protected. And then others have just been a bit more black and white. Nobody under 16 in here. I mean, that's not okay. A lot of young people are carers within their own homes. And, you know, people rely on them to do their shopping. So we have to be aware of everybody's needs. So, the Department of Taoiseach in the end had to come out and say, as you said, would retailers take a common sense approach and be aware of different kinds of families? It has improved since then, but it hasn't gone altogether. So we would really urge if people are still having problems, let us know and we will do our best to, you know, raise those issues with the retailers. Well, the here's, 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 a, here's a text in from a listener who doesn't want me to call out her name, which is is fine. She's she's a single mum. Uh, this happened on the 1st of June, which is only last Monday, the Bank Holiday Monday. I was popping in, it's a local supermarket. I was popping in to buy a birthday cake with my toddler who was in a shopping trolley sitting quietly. I was stopped at the door and told no children allowed, but a shopping assistant would get my shopping list for me. I replied, I just want to pop in to buy a birthday cake. As it happened being on social welfare, I only wanted the cheapest, smallest birthday cake that I could afford. But I didn't really wish to share that sort of information with anybody else. Still, the man just said, no, I have to call a shopping assistant for you. So I replied, I'm a single mother. What was I supposed to do with my child? Now, the man at the door apologised, but he said, I still have to call a shopping assistant for for you. I told him not to bother. I turned around and I left the the shop. I promise you, I will never darken the door of that place uh, again. Never through the whole of this lockdown have I been stopped before in any shop. My child is always in a trolley or in a buggy when in shops. I never let my child run around or grab it in anything. I was disgusted and I felt I was discriminated against but what could I do? That's really sad to hear. Yeah, Yeah. isn't it? And I I can understand you don't want to stand at a shop door in front of everyone saying I just want the cheapest cake you have. No, of course you don't. It's mortifying. And also look, she's in a situation where that child is in a safely contained within a trolley so I'm very surprised that they had this 
blanket ban. And I suppose that's the difficulty. If staff aren't able to make an assessment of the situation and support the shopper how they need to be, but they have a blanket ban, that's no good for anybody. So that's really disappointing to hear that that's still happening. And if that shop is listening, maybe that shop could understand that over a month ago, the, the Department of Taoiseach said, please don't do this. Mm. You know, that you need... Because it, it, food is an essential item. And if people are being banned from accessing food, and, it, you know, we rely on the private sector to supply us with food, you know, it's not good enough. People have to be able to get food. So, you know, unfortunately, she had to leave. She won't go there again. I absolutely don't blame her. I mean, that that, that shouldn't have happened. The staff person should have been able to make an individual assessment around was that a safe a safe situation it sounds like it was so okay. very and then a, a couple of, of listeners bringing up about the fear factor during COVID-19 I'm a single mom with two young children I'm terrified what would happen to my children if I got COVID-19 uh, I don't have any support from the father of, of my children is that's a I, I assume that that's yeah. a common fear Karen it is and we have, we have guidance on our website uh, on this issue about becoming sick and also how to speak to your children about becoming sick and the same around access issues um, and changes there. So there is, there is a lot of content there for people. But this is a huge fear for anybody who's parenting on their own at any time. But when you're faced with something like a contagious disease, it, of course, sharpens your mind. You know, we were encouraging people to think about wills. We were encouraging them to think about temporary guardianship. Not to frighten them, but because you need to have this anyway. Um, so, yeah, this, this is an issue because maybe the people who'd normally mind your children, again, aren't available to you or they wouldn't run the risk of taking a child in from a home that has had COVID-19. So it is difficult. Um, so it, it, what we're really encouraging people to do is to have those conversations, to think about it. What would they do? Is there anybody that they could ask if they became too ill to be able to mind their child? Um and, and what would that look like? And if not, to realise that the state will actually have to step in and and mind that child for you if you can't do it. So it's better to have thought about it beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's somebody that you want to appoint as a temporary guardianship, temporary guardian, you can do that. Um, that may or may not be necessary. But there is a lot of information online or people can get in touch with our helpline as well to think this through and to learn more about it. Um, because it, it is a very tricky one and it's an area of huge vulnerability for people. It's, it's just that terror. And a lot of the time we don't even want to think about it, but actually we need to think about it. Yeah. Because you never know when you might get yeah, sick from yeah. anything. You know? And, and it, you know, we've interviewed people who've had the virus uh, and it just, you know, for some people they they, they get through it and they're, they're not even, they're barely even sick. But for others, it can be from feeling slightly unwell to being very unwell to ending up in hospital on a ventilator all in a very short period of time for some. Yeah. I mean, so, some of the people we know who, who've had it have been absolutely debilitated and needed to be cared for um, or needed the ambulance to their home. And then others, it, 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 they've gotten through it and it's been a, a bad cold. So you just don't know how it's going to affect you. So I suppose even though it's a very uncomfortable and unpleasant thing to think about, it's kind of important that we do it as parents, is to think about, you know, what would I do in this situation? So it was just to reiterate, we're there at the end of the phone to help you think that through. Um, we have extra helpline hours um, for the next month or two. We've got um, extra counselling by phone available to people. We have uh, members of our parenting team and uh, play therapists on the phone. You know, so we have a lot of extra support for people around the country 
if if they want them, you know, please do get in touch and we'll do our very best to help well done. you. Well, well done. And, and it sounds like at One Family you've you've changed the way that you're offering support to people. It's it's all now, I imagine, over the phone or online, is it? Yeah, overnight it's yeah. changed. And it's really interesting because it means that actually we now have service users from all across the country. So there are people in Cork, Donegal, Loud, Galway, who are participating in parenting programs or are getting counselling by phone. And it's great because um, we had always had our helpline, which was national, but now because of the way we're able to work, actually people are able to access the services from all over the country. So we'd like to be able to keep that going in the future, although, you know, bit by bit we will move back to face-to-face work as well. So, you know, we just we just really don't want people to feel like they're on their own or they have a big problem that they're trying to cope with. We are there at the end of the phone. Um, I'm happy to share the numbers. Yeah, please do. Everything's on our website as well, which is onefamily.ie. But if you're calling from a mobile, you're better off ringing our landline number, which is 01-662-9212. Or if you're on a landline, we have a low-call number, which is 1890-662212. And we can always phone you back. Um, And you can also email support at onefamily.ie. Or you can get onto our Facebook page, and then, as I said, we have another page, which is a closed group for parenting support. Okay, so, well done. so there's lots that you can access. So just really don't don't like don't be on, on your own. own. Yeah, don't. don't that's that's own. the message I really want to yeah. I really want to get through to people today. And your opening hours, Karen? To... Well, for for office hours, really. It's um, office hours for, okay. for the helpline. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then the the parenting page on Facebook. Uh, there could be stuff posted in the evening as well, and. And some of our counselling is being done in the evening, um, but to contact us at office hours. Okay. Listen, continued uh, good luck to everybody at One Family, Karen, and thank you for joining us and talking to us on the programme. Thank you very much. Uh, good morning to you. Bye bye. That is uh, Karen Kieran, Kiernan, who is the Chief Executive of One Family. 1850 We have Sadie and John Paul taking your calls uh, today. You can text or WhatsApp 0862. 103 103. Court today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. Get weekly news, event updates, and community information from across Cork with our regional reports on c103.ie. From Bantry to Buttevant to Hallow to Dunmanway and every area in between, we've got it covered. To listen, go to c103.ie and click Regional Reports or download the C103 app and click Podcasts. Regional Reports, only on C103. But my apologies to someone, there isn't a name on this text. It was a WhatsApp that came in when I was interviewing uh, Michelle Templeton from Queen's University. She's one of the researchers and encouraging uh, young people to go online and to, to do their survey because they're trying to find out how eight children as young as eight up to 17 how they're getting on during the during the pandemic and it's it's a global study so I really I'm hoping that we get a lot of children uh, from Ireland taking part in it uh, but a listener says uh, hi, uh, hi Patricia I'm just wondering uh, if Michelle is from Derry I love her accent and do you know something when I was listening to her uh, speaking I was thinking the same thing I was thinking that's a real that lovely soft Derry there's something wonderful about the Derry accent uh, even though she's a researcher at Queen's University in Belfast I was think the Belfast accent is slightly harsher than the Derry accent and I think it's one of the reasons why that fantastic TV programme Derry Girls I think one of the reasons that that programme is so good 
is because of the accent. It's it's a much softer accent, isn't it? So un- unfortunately, Michelle is off the line, so I can't ask her on your, on your behalf. But I would have picked up on a Derry accent and uh, assumed that yes, she was and is uh, from Derry. Thank you for your WhatsApp to 0862103103. Okay, we've got news at twelve midday on the way. We've member from Garda Shikon in the next hour uh, for this week's Garda file, and we will also have Jane Pickett answering your. Uh, pet questions and there's a lot of calls and comments coming in throughout the morning so we'll get to all of those after news at 12 midday. Court today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. McDonald's have reopened their six drive throughs in Cork yesterday. Long queues have been forming outside the uh, outlets. And Fiona Corcoran, our senior news reporter, uh, went along uh, to see how uh, people were getting on. Um, good afternoon to Fiona. Good afternoon, Patricia. Uh, OK, Eddie, uh, okay, did people mind waiting in the queue? Not the people that I spoke to. I um, I arrived at the McDonald's in Douglas at around two o'clock. And at that stage, the queue of traffic went around the McDonald's outlet and out onto the main road and back up to the finger post roundabout. And are you there? Hello? Yeah, you're OK. Yeah, we're hearing you loud oh, yeah. and clear. Uh, Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, And it went all the way up to the finger post roundabout. Now, I did see cars pulling out of the queue and they realized how long it was. But a lot of people were quite happy to to just stay there. And even though the queue looked quite long, people were saying they were waiting about 45 minutes to an hour. And they didn't mind that. A lot of people had expected it to be even more because we saw when McDonald's was closing there was really long queues at all of the McDonald's drive throughs and some people were waiting an hour and a half to two hours um, but a lot of people said that you know younger people say young people in the car were saying that it was giving them something to do it was an, an hour out of their day it was going somewhere different and um, a lot of f- families who had kids had said you know the kids were waiting for at McDonald's, they had obviously p- promised them a treat, <laughs> and this was the treat. But people were quite in good spirits and didn't really seem to mind. Now, I know from looking at social media videos and photographs last night that the queues were longer as the evening went on. Like I said, I was there at two o'clock, but coming up to tea time, obviously, a lot of people were going to get dinner and queues were a lot longer people were waiting a lot longer but I think anyone who was going yesterday anticipated that there would be long queues they were expecting to wait for a while and nobody really seemed to mind and you know they've been missing out on McDonald's for um, since what the end of March the middle of March so they um, were just looking forward to getting a bite of the the Big Mac and and the chips once again so um, (laughs) and and it's a reduced menu is it it is, yeah. I was just going to say that um, they're not doing milkshakes and they're not doing wraps and they're not doing breakfasts. They're only opening from 11am and it's still only the drive throughs So there are six outlets in Cork, the Kinsale Road one, uh, Ballancolig, Blackpool, Douglas, Mallow and Middleton. And um, they, because of social distancing and extra hygiene and uh, safety measures, um, they, they can't f- fully open the stores yet. 
so they're just working on it and for some reason i'm not 100 percent sure why they're not doing the wraps and, and shakes but i i think it could be something to do with um you know they are doing mcflurries so maybe it's just because of the the speed or you know they have to make things um as they go along and it's just not feasible to do them just yet but they are promising that they will have a full menu back in the in the coming weeks and uh you know some people that i spoke to were desperately hoping for a wrap but they weren't there but they were saying that they would be able to find something else on the menu that they wanted so and and, I, and the and the big question fiona did you uh did you get something yourself no unfortunately i didn't have time to queue um i had to uh get to another appointment afterwards so uh i didn't get to queue and nobody offered me a chip (laughs) (laughs) okay and i I, I know i have i have a um, a vox pop which we're going to play now these are some of the people that fiona spoke to yesterday get out of the house like to spin no i don't mind have you been dying for mcdonald's is that why you're here well the small fella have been any of you yeah, he's nine, so he wants his mac chicken sandwich meal. <laughs> I think it's just like 35 minutes. It's yeah, it's not too bad. Were you expecting it. it to be longer? Um, yeah, we weren't really expecting to come here at all. We just kind of drove past and we are like, might as well, it's open. So we were hungry, so we might as well get some. Like. <laughs> we were kind of expecting it to be way longer. I think the last time when they were closing, it was like an hour and a half people were waiting. I thought that was a bit much. Like. And what is it about McDonald's, do you think, that attracts so many crowds? I think it's because it's like the same no matter where you go each McDonald's is, is exactly the same you know it's going to be good like yeah So what are you going to get here? I am I'm going to get a vegetarian burger and I think he's <laughs> going to get a Big Mac uh, About 20 minutes now that's not too bad. Not too bad, yeah. Uh, was it just that you were absolutely dying to get a McDonald's? No, no. So I was just around, like, and I said, uh, you go in, like, some days you just want a McDonald's, like. Uh, I don't know, because they don't have the full menu, like, so I don't know what uh, what they will have, like, but yeah. I'll get something anyway. I'll find something to get. <laughs> About an hour. Once the bar is open, we don't mind. What is it McDonald's, do you think? Uh, starvation. <laughs> Simple. <laughs> Hunger is great sauce. Did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> I've been dying for three months. <laughs> uh, Patrick's day, was it, Sean? Yeah. yeah. There you go. That's a great line. Hunger is a great uh, sauce. And I have to share the story that uh, was somebody phoned in to uh, Simon on the breakfast show this morning uh, to say he queued up at McDonald's in Douglas and got his McDonald's meal and was delighted with it and then went home with the empty wrapper. And the wife says, well, where'd you get that? And he said, I went to McDonald's. And she said, you didn't get me one. Didn't get me one. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Divorce court proceedings, I'm thinking. OK, before we let you go, uh, Fiona, the, the Black Lives Matter protest in Cork, is that on or off? It's off now, Patricia. Um, the um, We know that there was a protest in Dublin earlier this week with about an attendance of about 5,000 people. So, obviously, with a crowd of that size, it raised serious concerns about... Um, social distancing and the possibility of being able to do that at protests that are going to be gathering those kind of numbers. Um, and up until yesterday evening, uh, the protests that had been planned for Cork City tomorrow, it was due to take place in the Grand, uh, at the Grand Parade at one o'clock. Um, and it was going ahead. But last night, the organisers of that protest posted on social media that uh, they were cancelling the event. And they said it's because of the opening of a criminal investigation by the Gardaí into the organisers of the protest in Dublin earlier this week. 
They said they felt the threat of prosecution for organisers and participants in the protests left them with no other choice but to cancel the protest. Um, and just from the statement, they were also saying that um, they didn't feel that these protests should be banned. They said that um, they can be done safely with masks, stewards to enforce physical distancing and other safety measures. And they feel that this is an attack on the right to protest and it's setting a dangerous precedent. So there's... Um, been quite a lot of debate about it on social media. Some people were saying that they should be allowed to go ahead and protest and others saying that because of safety reasons, it's the right decision. But um, as it stands at the minute, that protest is not taking place. Now, there was talk of a second protest happening at Kent Station, but um, I've been trying to find out if that's still going ahead or not. I don't think it is. I think all of the uh, Black Lives Matter um, protests are cancelled for now um but i suppose they, they 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 may have more now um after in in the coming weeks once the yeah. restrictions start to ease up a bit yeah okay listen thank you for that uh, fiona and thanks for joining us Thank you. Uh, good, good afternoon to you. That is Fiona Corcoran, our senior news reporter, and she'll be back tomorrow actually with one of her, another one of her frontline diaries, which have been uh, really, really good every week. Now, some of your comments coming into the programme. Uh, there's just a couple of comments in reacting to the listener who can't, who, the single mum who contacted me during my interview with Karen from One Family who was talking about an experience that happened to her only last weekend when she went to a local supermarket. She wanted to buy a birthday cake for her, I'm assuming for her little one. Her little one was in the trolley, got to the door, supermarket said, sorry, no children allowed. We'll get a shopping assistant to get the cake. She said, oh, I need to get a birthday cake. We'll get a shop assistant to get the birthday cake. But she was just a little bit, I suppose, embarrassed that she didn't have a lot of money and she didn't want to get a very expensive birthday cake. She was just looking for, you know, a small little, not too expensive cake in which to have a little bit of a a tea party at home with the child. And uh, she said, because of that, she wasn't comfortable explaining that to a shopping assistant. So she left and was feeling very uh, aggrieved by the whole thing and said it's never happened to her before and she's she's going to put her money where her mouth is because she said she'll never go into that uh, supermarket again. Anyway, that led to a couple of people contacting us including Colm and Bottovant who feel who feel that for for some people, and I'm assuming he's talking in particular about this uh, young mum, uh, people want to at all times protect their civil rights. Uh, why did, doesn't that woman reach out to a friend and get her friend to do a shopping for her? There are alternatives to having to go to the supermarket with the child. Uh, the regulations are for the common good. It's hard to control a child in a supermarket. She's only thinking of her own civil rights not being allowed into the shop with the child when it's the common good needs to be put uh, in place here. I think you're being a bit harsh uh, in that regards, uh, Colm. Firstly, hard to control a child in the supermarket. She clearly said her child was a toddler uh, was sitting in the trolley. She never leaves her child run around a uh, supermarket. So her child is well in control sitting in a trolley wasn't going to be uh, running around at the place and I don't think it's necessarily to do with her civil rights she was just embarrassed about the fact that she's on social welfare she doesn't have a lot of money if a shop assistant was going to have to come she couldn't simply say you know here's 20 euro pick me up pick me up a nice birthday cake there she was going to have to explain I don't have a lot of money can you get me the cheapest birthday cake that you have and she just felt uncomfortable and, and it, it, it broke my heart to even think that she was feeling embarrassed about having to say that and I can understand 
uh, why she walked away. So I don't necessarily think it's all, it's, it, she was pushing her civil rights. Uh, I really don't think, I, I think you're being a bit, a bit unfair to her. Uh, Catherine says, uh, then on the other side of that coin, Catherine says, I've been a, a recipient of social welfare for a while and it's hard to live on social welfare for one person let alone to have to do it with a young child and for that lady to go into a shop just to get a cake for her little one's birthday first of all tell her we're thinking of her and also COVID-19 has brought out the best in people but unfortunately it's also brought out the worst in some people the worst in some people being a small number of people in fairness she did say in her text that the security guy at the door was almost sympathetic with her but he I don't know if it was he or she has a job to do and the, and the rule in that particular supermarket is no children allowed and there are still some supermarkets doing that even though the Taoiseach came out and said a little bit of common sense needs to be used here but some supermarkets are sticking to those rules and if they want to put that rule in place they can uh, because somebody else Michael is saying he got a text from his local uh, supermarket you know with the weekly offers or whatever uh, but it clearly states on the text to please shop alone Michael says I think it's hard for parents lone parents like that mum who contacted us today and for carers as well as those who may have to accompany or take a loved one with them. Perhaps somebody living with dementia, perhaps somebody living with an intellectual disability who can't be uh, left at home uh, and therefore they need to take them with them when they go shopping. I understand the reasoning and the rationale behind it but it really does show that one size doesn't fit all. Uh, and how right you are, Michael. Uh, thank you for that. 1850 Patricia, is cocooning gone from next Monday? Uh, thanking you. Um, I wouldn't say it's completely gone. Uh, What's happening from next Monday with the opening of phase two? Shops will provide dedicated hours uh, for people over the age of 70 and those who are medically vulnerable. Strict social distancing gloves will be made available and shoppers should ideally wear face covering is what they're saying. So yes, people who have been cocooning are allowed to go out and go go into the shops. They also say that those who have been cocooning can have a small number of visitors into their home. The visitors must wear gloves, face covering and keep at least two metres from the person who is uh, cocooning. So is it technically gone? Yes, I suppose in the sense of even though in the roadmap the word is still being used but I suppose in the traditional sense of what it was set up and the rules and regulations uh, yes it, it certainly is changing Hi Patricia would you believe if you report a HSE employee for breaching social distancing they can't or won't do anything about it I know because as this texter I rang to complain about two non-medical hospital employees for serious breaches of social distancing and they said they can't do anything about it is that not crazy how do others listeners feel I'd love to know what was the breach of social of social distancing and what you were what why you felt the need to ring the HSE uh, about it but anyway uh, if you ring the HSE to complain about one of their employees breaching social distancing they'll simply tell you there's nothing we, there's, we're not going to do anything about it Our doctors opening on Monday thanking you says a texter doctors have always been open but they're triaging people over the phone so if you ring your doctor's practice today uh, and if they need to see you they certainly will take you in but most of it has been done now over the phone Pat said I listened with interest this morning to Dennis Murphy talking to you uh, when, we were, when we were talking about the electric cars he made the point that garages have the same equipment as NCT centres why therefore says Pat are people being ripped off by the the NCT. A person can take their car to the garage, they'll service it, check it out and then you have to take it to the NCT the next day and give them €100 Euro for the pleasure of doing the same thing. Because isn't it different? The MOT in England is done in garages for that reason. You don't, they can issue 
of the garages have certain MO, certain garages, I don't know if all of them, but certain ones certainly are, are MOT. You don't go somewhere else. Yeah, it does seem like you're you're paying on the double uh, for sure. Bank of Ireland in Mitchell stances listener, do you know if it is opening? We're getting back on to, to them. We did get on to them about Mill Street and there was no plans to reopen the Mill Street one as of yet. This listener says can't travel beyond the five kilometre to get to my nearest Bank of Ireland. You can, if you were stopped by the guards, you could say it's an essential journey because you have to go to the bank to pay something into the bank and you know the way you're doing it because Bank of Ireland have closed your branch in, in Mitchellstown so you would be okay uh, to head to a bank outside of your five kilometre zone if there's no bank in your region. Hi Trish, when the da- when will the dance halls be open? The places like the Hazel Tree in Mallow love to go dancing. Looking at the roadmap, it's not going to be until the 10th of August because of the numbers that would be in the, the dance halls, they're going to fall in under with the pubs and, and clubs. So it's the, the 10th of uh, August. Hi Patricia on electric cars. I have a 191 Peugeot van. I tested just before the lockdown. The emissions were just slightly above zero. And yet they say diesels are dirty cars. What rubbish, says uh, Donald. And in reply to, this is another text that says, in reply to Anne, who had great sympathy for the Leaving Cert class of 2020 because they've missed out on everything. No Debs, no Grads, no Leaving Cert, no Leaving Cert night, night, no work. And now they're not getting any welfare. They can't claim welfare until August. A listener wants to reply to that text. Yes, those Leaving Cert class have missed out on a lot, but surely they have only themselves to look after. Does it not send the wrong message, giving them a welfare payment the minute they leave school. I see other young adults having this money and quite a lot of them just seem to be spending it on drink. This pandemic will hopefully make the class of 2020 more resilient than any other year. And surely that's the best gift that we can give to them. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Luke O'Mahony is running his first full marathon in Cove on Saturday the 20th of June. It's in aid of the Fun Bar Challenge for the Cliff Lip and Palette Association of Ireland. 56 of his friends have also undertaken challenges and there are now 52 challenges set to take place in 19 different countries on that same Saturday, the 20th of June. You can donate by going through their Facebook page, which is Fun Bar, F-U-N-B-A-R-R, Fun Bar uh, Challenge. And Kilbrin Parish are holding a collection of perishable goods and baking. It's for Cork Penny Dinners. It's on Sunday, the 14th of June. They're also taking monetary donations, but you can donate your perishable goods and baking by dropping them off to Kilbrin GAA Clubhouse between 10am and 1pm on that Saturday the 14th of June. And a used clothes collection for Gaggen Hall Car Park will take place in Gaggen Hall on next Monday at 7pm. Please have your items ready for donation. They're looking for all types of used clothes, bags, shoes, belts, bed linen, curtains and good quality soft toys. Court today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. 
COVID-19 continues to impact on our day-to-day lives. We want to remind you of some practical ways to protect yourself. Wash your hands properly and often. Cover your mouth and nose when you cough or sneeze. And dispose of used tissues. Disinfect frequently touched objects. Avoid any contact with people from outside of your household. Don't touch your eyes, nose or mouth if your hands are not clean. And please follow all advice issued by the HSC and the government. This message is supported by Irwin's Pharmacy, Shandon Street, Mayfield and Toker. Always looking after your family. For coronavirus updates and information, stay listening to C103. Listen to C103 on your phone. Download the C103 app today. Go to the Google Play Store for Android or iTunes for iPhone and search C103 Cork. Download it today and listen straight away to C103. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And if you have a pet question for Jane Pickett, get it into us, please. 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Let's go to Bandon Garda Station, where I'm joined for this week's uh, Garda file by Crime Prevention Officer Sergeant James O'Donovan. Good afternoon to you, James. Good afternoon, Patricia. And let's start with a burglary, and this was a holiday home in the Dunmanway area. Yes, uh, on the 25th of May last, which would have been last Friday week, we had a holiday home, a vacant holiday home in the Pukin area of Dunmanway, which was broken into. Um, there was a bit of damage uh, done to the house. I suppose our main concern is here, and I want to cover it, is that whereas we've had a number of issues there with people travelling to holiday homes, there will be a lot of holiday homes that may be vacant over the, the next couple of weeks, and we're asking people to be mindful of any strange activity around those holiday homes in West Cork and to contact the guard if they see that. In relation to that Pukin area, we want the, anyone who saw anyone acting suspicious around the 22nd of May to contact the Gardaí in Domanwe in relation to that call of um, a vacant holiday home in the Pukin area of Domanwe. Okay, and with golf clubs just back up and running, um, sad to hear what happened at Bearhaven Golf Club. Yes, this was a particularly strange one on the 26th, uh, 26th, 27th of May last, which would have been last Tuesday week. Um, there was a number of greens damaged and Bearhaven Golf Club and a number of flagpoles taken. If anyone saw anyone acting suspicious, again around the, the golf course there to contact the Gardaí in Castone Bear. And if they know of anyone that, that may have in their possession one of those flags from the Greens to contact the Gardaí, and we can deal with that matter as discreetly as possible. And there was another bit of criminal damage then in the Kilcrahan area of Bantry. Again, a particularly strange one. Um, uh, frustrating for the farmer here. On a Sunday night into the Monday morning of the 31st of May and the 1st of June, there was a number of bales freshly wrapped. They were damaged. The plastic was cut off them. Again, look, there's a lot of work in, in farmers when they're putting their, these bales and their silage together. But to go back and rewrap all these would have been taking considerable time. So we're appealing to anyone that would have seen anyone in the Kilcrohan area acting suspicious around freshly wrapped bales to contact the Gardaí in Doris or in Bantry. OK, and you want to give word of warning to people who are heading back to work. Patricia, I suppose I, I was listening to your shows during the week and you were talking to Joe there last Tuesday about people getting back into society and being anxious and nervous about it. I suppose we want to remind people that, look, you're going back into society and there is this whole COVID-19 um, changes to the working environment that you're going to go into. But we are, we are aware that people are very nervous going into it. But we want people to be, to, I suppose, just to be careful going back out there. Get into the habit of the locking your house and setting your alarm 
we had one caller there, I won't say where she was from in Westcar, but she actually rang me myself to say that she had totally forgot to lock the house when she was going to work. Mm. She was that worried about going back to work. Yeah. But we're just anxious. And we, we, I suppose we're not anxious, we're worried that people, I suppose, they're nervous going back into society as such. And I know Joe covered it there last Tuesday with you on your show. And we just want people to take their time um, and just be mindful from our point of view in relation to security of their home to lock their house and set the alarm if they have an alarm in the house. Again, I suppose we're going into the summer months, and especially last weekend, no, we had the bank holiday weekend in June, the weather was fantastic. And every year we always cover this, Patricia, from car parks and beaches and cars being left there. Please get back into the habit of that. If you are going to the beach or are going back out walking, um, don't leave any property in your car and lock your car. Again, thankfully we've been very low in crime figures in relation to this, but we're coming into the summer season and we want to remind people, especially now when we're coming in, I suppose where the restrictions are being lifted and people are going back out on the 20 kilometres, hopefully we'll be coming back in on Monday and people will, will be travelling that bit further so they'll be taking a bit more property with them. But we just want them to not forget the basics when they're leaving their car and their car parks and they're going for their walks. Don't leave any property in them and lock the cars at all times. OK, and then for businesses that are about to start up and reopen? Yes, we have a look, I suppose, on the 18th of May. We had a number of businesses going back, but again, hopefully over the next couple of weeks, we'll have more businesses. We just, again, like like Joe was saying last Tuesday, we are mindful that people are going into a, new, a different work environment. Um, I suppose there'll be new uh, HSE and government guidelines and for the purpose of reopening, and we just want people to be cognizant of their security when implementing these measures. So we're just asking them to check that their security cameras internally and externally, they're all working and fully operational. All their alarms are fully operational also. Maybe have an induction day with staff beforehand just to get them new to the new procedures and protocols. And I know a lot of businesses have been in contact with myself and my own office in relation to developing online sales and where do they get professional advice. When they're getting these advices, to get advice from reputable companies in doing so and to be aware of all online transactions. Uh, that's bringing me on to my next topic, Patricia. It's the online scams. We've seen a massive increase in these online scams wow. in the last 12 months, and in particular during the months of this COVID-19 crisis. So we want to ask business to ensure that all their staff are alert in relation to phishing emails or account redirect or any kind of online scams. And I'll just touch on a couple of them that have really okay. come to the fore, Patricia, over the last couple of weeks. We have the DPD Ireland redirect. We have uh, the revenue have... Um, sent text messages and making calls from an 052 number there recently looking for credit card details for refunds. We've done deal as well. People are going online. I suppose a lot of people were at home over the, over the last month and they were buying stuff online. And our advice to them is be very wary of where you're buying. Um, you know, you, you need to do your due diligence when you're carrying out all these purchases. I suppose we are always asking people to see the see the product before you buy it. Obviously, on Dundee, you don't necessarily see the product, but you're handing over cash for something that you might necessarily not see, number one, or even get in your hands. And the amount of people that have been caught for substantial amount of money from anything from three or £400 up to a couple of hundred thousand wow. is frightening in relation to online scams. So we, we ask people to be very diligent, number one, and if they do feel that they are caught, contact their bank, ask for a recall straight away on the transactions, report the matter to us. We have a National Financial Intelligence Unit now in, based in Dublin and also in Cork in the, in the fraud 
unit and we can do an awful lot of work behind the scenes. Yeah, I think but people get embarrassed. Um, I, th- I think they feel they're embarrassed when, when they realise that they've been caught, James, but they've got to get over the embarrassment and report it. Yes, I think there's, it's, it's nearly more embarrassing when they, don't, when they come into us maybe two or three weeks later and they say, oh, we've been caught and we just were trying to get the money back ourselves. Come to us straight away. We don't judge anyone like that. We, we want to help people as much as possible. And the whole online crime has, has developed so much over the last five years. It's frightening. Um, and we just want people to be more mindful of that. You were just talking about the over 70s at home cocooning. The amount of people that we've given advice to as well over the age of 70 or maybe younger again, that have never been on social media. They've mm. gone on social media now to have, I suppose, face-to-face conversations or, I suppose, online conversations with their family that are in other parts of the country and they're onto the Facebooks and they're onto the, the Zoom. When you go online, you're opening up the world, you're bringing the world into your home and we just want people to be mindful and be, and be very safe. careful of that. And, and, and be safe, and be that. safe in that. And that's what it's all about. And finally, bogus tradesmen. Bogus tradesmen, yes. Uh, we have a number of them going around West Cork at the moment. Look, I suppose the restrictions have been lifted and so forth and we're asking those uh, people to be mindful not to, t- to deal with any cold callers calling to the door unless you're 100% sure. Um, just before you go there, Patricia, as well, I suppose, or before I go, the, we have a number of issues there in relation to house parties and youth gathering at beaches and wooded areas there in Farn Woods around West Cork. And... I know the restrictions are being lifted and we're going hopefully into phase two on Monday, but we're still at a very, I suppose, sensitive stage of this whole coming out of uh, the COVID-19 restrictions. We're asking parents to be very particular in in relation to their kids, 15, 16, 17 years of age, that are gathering at beaches in large groups of anything of up to 12 or 15. They're going into shops. They're getting their refreshments before they go to the beach within their 5K. Um, But unfortunately, we have people now coming out of cocooning, going into the shops that are feeling very vulnerable when they go into shops and they go on the streets and you're seeing groups of maybe 12 or 13 young people all heading to the beach around towns around West Cork and in the wooded areas in Farn, we've had a number of people calls there where there's groups of anything up to 100 youths, not from the area but from other urban areas around the place turning up in these Farnwood areas for going for their walks and stuff and we're just asking people to be mindful of the restrictions and the guidelines from the well HSE going forward. Yeah, and know, so. know, know where your children are. Exactly, okay. and in particular, you know, for the next couple of weeks we're yeah. going to re- yeah. we restrictions. D- we it's forward, we want to go, not backwards, James. Okay, exactly. listen, uh, James, thank you for that and uh, we'll talk again. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. That's uh, Sergeant uh, James O'Donovan, who's Crime Prevention Officer at Abandon Guard, the station. Just let me run through a quick number of texts that have come in. Um, This is on electric cars. Michael said, why are all governments insisting that cars go electric? It's a huge joke, according to Michael. It will not happen in our lifetime simply because people will not be able to afford them. Just look at how the carbon numbers have dropped since the planes stopped flying and the traffic stopped flowing. We still have the same number of cows, if not more, because the farmers can't sell them. Yet all our experts are telling us that we would have to reduce our herds. The answers to all of this is to decarbonise diesel and petrol. Simple answer, but of course that would upset the oil producers. It's easier to pile the misery on to the working person and their families. Thanking you. That's from Michael. On the safe pass that somebody was on about... The uh, listener was on to say it's been the safe pass 
Training will resume during phase three. Out-of-date cards remain valid within reason, obviously, but new car new cards are not being um, issued, which is which is tough. It's tough because that young lad has a job, won't be able to do it. You've got to wait until uh, phase uh, three. Heidi says, morning I was out shopping and noticed uh, a lot of notices on the hedgerows telling people uh, do not cut Japanese knotweed. Is it that time of year again? Yes, it is. Um, hi, as we get over this uh, virus, how are we going to get over this virus when not everyone is abiding by the restrictions? I know of a party in West Cork for a woman's birthday. The same woman is working in a hospital. The guards had to be called to stop the party that's what's going on all of the uh, time and hi Patricia I totally agree with your texture with reference to the Leaving Cert class being a mother of a Leaving Cert student of the class of 2020 they will definitely be a very resilient class they'll be caring and kind and compassionate money will never replace uh, those uh, comments social welfare is too easily got uh, money will never replace those qualities sorry introducing social welfare at such a young age is not a good idea teaching them how to get money too uh, easily. Uh, 1850-333-103. John Paul and Sadie taking your calls. Going to take a quick break and we've Jane Pickett answering your pet questions. If you've got a pet question, get it into us. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. Fon Sawalcha, Lassie 103. Talkovid Nitek on Shutin Aaron, Agus Kamut, if you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. 
At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Achal, Dane Aline, Karidioch, Tamir Namari, August Dahukan. Fan Savadze, Fan Somalia. Lahai Tilla Olish, Fan Lin, RC 103. This is the Court Today replay on C103. And Jane Pickett of the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket uh, joining me. Good afternoon to you, Jane. Hi there. How are you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm very well and you're very welcome. Let me get straight into questions. This is a question that actually came in last week and my apologies I didn't get around to it but the listener has very kindly sent it on again to say, question for Jane, please. It, Jane, please. Is it correct that hypochlorite is injurious to cats? I found a stray I used to feed dead in my shed. I had used bleach to wash out the shed. And I suppose it's worried that the bleach has in some way killed the cat. So, yeah, high concentrations of bleach, I suppose, like to ourselves, it can be toxic if ingested. Um, I think particularly at the moment, because we're all we're all going mad with the cleaning and rightly so, because everything needs to be spick and span to try and prevent COVID spreading. Um, there has been a little bit of an upsurge in, let's say, poisoning cases or dogs and cats being unwell because they've uh, eaten or drank disinfectant products. Um, one thing I would say is you just need to be particularly careful they can be very curious they don't exactly know it's a bad thing for them and actually because a lot of these things are designed to smell nice in a way they can sometimes not let's say smell too unappetizing to dogs and cats now bleach is an interesting one and um, generally it's something that they won't go near if it's if it's neat or even if it's diluted because it's like like to ourselves it really doesn't smell very nice um but what we do see sometimes is if let's say the a pet was on um, a wet floor or a floor that's been recently bleached at let's say quite a high concentration if it's on their pads of their paws and they've walked around in it let's say if you if you normally see a cat they'll normally sit down at some point in the day flop down and start licking themselves to groom themselves they're very kind of fastidious little creatures keep themselves clean um, and if there's any bleach on those paws if there there is enough to cause any irritation um, and, and a poisoning they may well lick it off the paws and lick it off the hair if they have been in contact so that's the most common way that we would see bleach poisoning um, but it can happen in many other ways I, I suppose it never ceases to amaze me dogs and cats are incredibly clever creatures except for when it comes to eating and drinking and things they shouldn't but it, um, but so it I is, think just an extra element of caution but it is possible that the cat died from something else I'd hate the person to be blamed oh absolutely Absolutely, 100%. It would be very rare, particularly if, let's say, you haven't seen the, the cat or dog getting into the bleach. It's very, very unlikely because it does take a certain amount of these compounds to cause poisoning. The most likely thing is that it probably passed away from other causes. And to be totally honest with you, cats being kind of both a prey and a predator species, they are incredibly good at acting like they're absolutely fine, yeah. not giving their owners any clues that they're ill until they're really, really ill because they're kind of pre-designed to, to put on a, a good face 
you know what I mean? And not to show any signs of weakness. So when, when cats and dogs kind of, uh, when, when cats particularly stop kind of eating, drinking, look a little bit unwell, they're, they're very unwell indeed. Okay. Yeah, now, so I, now I think... Joe has a question that I think other listeners might identify uh, with. Uh, Joe and her, her partner are coming out of cocooning next Monday, so we'll be going out and about. Their dog has not been out for a long walk for ages, apart from they have a field that they've been exercising the dog on. So he has been getting loads of exercise. But from Monday, they're planning on heading out on the road to go for a longer walk. They're wondering, will the dog react differently to seeing other people as he hasn't been out in public and met up with other people since they started cocooning back in March? Yeah, potentially, particularly if your dog is a very kind of people person dog if he's kind of the life and soul of the party and he sees other people and he gets all excited and wants to say hello obviously we still need to maintain our distance so be really really mindful of your dog kind of dragging you up to, to other people and getting within the two meter distance so just be a little bit extra careful but yeah like ourselves we're all excited to kind of see each other um for the first time in a long time albeit from a great distance um as is required to kind of present the to to prevent any spread but um yes i i would say take extra caution put your dog on on a lead and be aware of people around you because he may well get overexcited and want to go off on a big run another word of warning is about the road i've seen lots of people out even in my local area with no high vis on with their dogs and or they may be wearing high vis and their dog is let's say trotting in front of them you can't see the dog um so if you have any kind of high vis that you can put on your dog either as a collar if it's getting a little bit dull or else keep your dog on a short lead when he's walking with you so that he's right next to you wearing high is then that can prevent lots of road traffic accidents it's just I, I can see there's a lot of people enjoying their freedom a little bit more and taking the dogs out and you, you can't see them on the road um, the other thing is your dog may not be as fit as you expect so just be aware if he hasn't been doing a lot of walking like you would have normally be, been doing just let him do what he feels comfortable with doing you need to work up his fitness slowly again just like ourselves okay could you ask uh, the Jane the vet please why would my Bichon freeze be shaking his head a lot that's from Mary Ah, so that could potentially be an ear infection. So shaking the head is actually one of the main signs of itchiness within the ears. You can imagine it's very frustrating. I suppose if we had an itchy ear, we could just put our hand up and itch it. Whereas for a dog, it's a little bit more challenging. Sometimes we'll see them trying to itch it with their back feet. Um, but a lot of the time, the main way that they can relieve any discomfort and maybe shake it up a little bit is by shaking the head. I think this definitely warrants attention from a vet. Um, so have a chat to them and potentially get booked in for an appointment um, if that's possible. It could be a few things. The most common thing is a simple little ear infection and it can be solved with medication. Other things that are really common are ear mites, so a little parasite that lives down in the ear and it just wriggles about and causes quite a lot of irritation. So I think either way, you need to speak to your vet about that and get some treatment sorted because it can be quite incessantly annoying for, for the little dog and we want them to be nice and comfortable. Yeah, because it is a normal for head shaking. He's shaking it for a reason. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. Okay. There's always a reason. All right, Jane, listen, thank you for that. We'll chat again next week. Thanks for joining us. Uh, that thank is, you. Uh, bye-bye, Jane Pickett, who is with the uh, Islandwood Veterinary Hospital uh, in Newmarket, uh, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group, back answering the questions again next uh, Thursday. OK, before I go, just quickly, a listener uh, says, Hi, Patricia, I missed your response from Age Action on the Hardship uh, Grant yesterday. Did you get a response? And what did they say? We did. We got a response to say they had a huge number of applicants. They closed off the fund on the 
24th of April, Friday the 24th of April. So anyone who had submitted a request for money from that fund will be considered. They ha- are still going through all of the applications and they um, will be contacting people to let them know if they've been successful or not. And we didn't hear of anybody yet who's got a letter saying yay or nay. So they're still working on it. There was just a huge, huge number of people had requested money for the hardship fund and obviously they were limited they're limited on the amount of money that they can give out and thank you to uh, Mary still getting in questions and calls about this asking me how did did I manage to save uh, my laburnum uh, tree and uh, sadly no uh, the laburnum tree uh, has been lost uh, unfortunately it has to come down it uh, was too badly damaged uh, so we lost it uh, but thank you people have been very kind in, in asking about it okay that's where I need to wrap up for today. My thanks to Sadie and to John Paul for taking your calls uh, today. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we are back with you tomorrow morning at uh, 10 o'clock for Thursday's edition of the programme. Another week nearly over. Until tomorrow 10, I'm Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon. Court today on C103 with Mallow College. Now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie We're moving in the right direction, but it can be tough to focus on the positives in our day-to-day lives during COVID-19. Practicing mindfulness and making an effort to stay positive as much as possible can be helpful. Mindfulness is a useful way of helping us to stay in the present moment. It helps us to focus on the here and now, allowing us to be aware of our thoughts and worries rather than getting lost in them. Mindfulness also encourages you to focus on your health, which can help reduce stress and tension that you may be feeling. If that's not for you, you could focus on something as simple as the feeling of your feet on the floor. Mindfulness can be practiced in pretty much any situation, so find a way that suits you. There are plenty of online resources and apps you can download to help you practice. Stay safe and stay up to date with all COVID-19 information at c103.ie. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.